The following message is a presentation from Grace Baptist Church in Kettering, Ohio. All right, let's be seated and find our Bibles back in 2 Timothy tonight. And we have gone through 1 Timothy, and we are tonight going to embark on 2 Timothy, and I'm looking forward to that very, very much. And uh, I want to just say something to our children as, uh, as we go along through the message tonight. I encourage you to write notes, write down what's on the screen, and try to write down uh, something that stands out to you tonight uh, from the Apostle Paul's life and from Timothy's life tonight. And so we want to look at 2 Timothy chapter number 1. And we're going to deal with verses 1 through 2 tonight and just the opening of the letter. You say, what can you get out of opening? A whole lot. A whole lot. There's all sorts of good stuff packed in here tonight as Paul writes uh, to uh, Timothy, his son in the faith. Let's again just ask God to bless our time. Father, we're mindful of our need of you this evening and for you to speak to our hearts. We've gathered here because we need your word. And so, Lord, I pray that you'd speak to each person, our children, and our, our congregation in total, I pray that you'd speak to our hearts and that you would grow us in our faith, that you'd strengthen us, and Lord, would you direct us uh, from your word tonight, we pray. Thank you for the word that we were able to just hear and listen and give attention to reading. And I pray that you would help that to bear fruit in our hearts even this week, we pray. Uh, Lord, would you be exalted in this place? Would you uh, free us from distraction in our own heart and within this room and help us to be able to focus on your truth? In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Uh, tonight as we jump into this, uh, I want to just kind of lay a ground uh, groundwork for what is the, the context of 2 Timothy and really uh, what we can expect as we're jumping in. I really want us to understand this, the title of our series, Endure, by the way, you endure, and let's, we're going to make it personal, right? We need to endure. It really comes right out of the whole book of 2 Timothy. Paul is writing to this at the end of his, uh, writing to Timothy at the end of his life and encouraging him, hey, you need to stand, uh, stick with it. You need to stay in the stuff. And so I want you to notice a couple of verses that are key to the book of 2 Timothy. First of all, 2 Timothy 2 and verse number 15, we heard it, study to show thyself approved unto who? All right, you're going to have to help me out tonight. Study to show yourself approved unto who? God. A workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And right away, he's, he's challenging Timothy to be enthusiastic. That's the idea of study, to be enthusiastic, being eager about the work of pastoring, of, of the work of preaching, the work of taking the word of God and laying it out in front of God's people. Uh, Timothy, stay in it. Be enduring in this way. In 2 Timothy 4 and verse number 2, preach the word, be instant in season and out of season, reprove, ex, uh, rebuke, and exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. So much of this book comes around Timothy's calling to be a pastor, to preach the word, to declare the word, and to shepherd people along. But as we see see this as we're in chapter number one Paul reminds Timothy of this Timothy I'm in prison right now and I want you to think of this I don't want you to be ashamed of what's going on in my life I'm a preacher of the gospel I'm an apostle of the gospel I'm a, an ambassador for the Lord Jesus Christ but I do not want you to be ashamed of what's going on look at verse number eight he says be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord and then notice nor of me his prisoner don't don't hide who you are 
Don't hide the calling that God has given you, Timothy. I want you to be faithful. I want you to endure through the difficulty. In verse number 12, again, he tells us that we ought not be ashamed. Paul was not ashamed of the testimony of the Lord. Timothy, I don't want you to be ashamed of the testimony. I want you to endure. The same message goes for us today, a message that we as God's people need in this day. Don't be ashamed of Jesus Christ. Don't be ashamed of him in your workplace. Sometimes that's hard, isn't it? Sometimes it's hard when people ridicule and when people kind of ostracize you and push you aside um, for following the Lord Jesus Christ. But Paul was telling Timothy as a pastor and as one who was leading other believers, don't be ashamed of the testimony of the Lord. And in fact, Timothy, in verse number three of chapter two, thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Let's read that together. Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. And there's our word, endure, Timothy. Be patient. Uh, stay at it. Be faithful. Be steadfast. We find in Hebrews chapter 12 and verses 1 and 2, as I've reminded you over and over, that the key to us staying faithful and enduring, having that patience in our life's race, the race that God has given us to run, is looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. And so, Timothy, I want you to make sure that you're enduring. Don't give up. Paul says this, and he is a living example to Timothy of endurance. We all understand the life of the Apostle Paul was not easy at all. We would not like to switch places with the Apostle Paul. Oh, certainly some of the great stories of uh, whole cities coming to the Lord. That would be wonderful, but the parts where he's getting stoned, not so much, right? We wouldn't like to take places, but he is saying to Timothy, as one who has lived his life, a life of endurance. Timothy, you need to endure. Watch my life. You need to endure. Listen, as dads, we need to be able to say it to our children and to our wives. Hey, endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ by example. Paul was able to say that by example, and that's one of the key thoughts in this book. Timothy, endure. First Timothy was written around 63 AD, uh, sometime after uh, the, book of, uh, the book of Acts. But you find that 2 Timothy was written somewhere in the, in the neighborhood of, of 66 to 67 AD. And you say, well, what, what difference does that make? Well, the first time that Paul wrote in 1 Timothy, uh, he w it was just after he was freed in 61 AD uh, from his first imprisonment, the one where he was in house arrest. So he was able to have as many people in the house as he wanted to. Uh, no man uh, was going to forbid him, and he was able to have captive audience and so on uh, there. But Paul now was not under house arrest like he was when he wrote, uh, after, uh, 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 he wrote 1 Timothy after that fact. He is now in the Mamertine prison. And I want you to think about this. Paul is not in a situation that any of us would want. Uh, you would not be feeling comfortable in this situation. I want you to give me the picture of the Mamertine prison, which was on the Tiber River in, in Rome. And it was a cold and damp place in which Paul was, uh, was being held during this time. Why was Paul being held? Well, remember, he, he appealed to Caesar, did he not? We find that out in the book of Acts. He appealed to Caesar. He is sent there. He wanted to go to Rome, and God gave him a paid um, a paid way to Rome, not quite the way that he thought, but a paid way to, the, uh, to Rome where he'd be able to preach in Caesar's household. And many in Caesar's household came to the Lord because Paul was willing to sacrifice his life in that way, to actually uh, go through the prison system of Rome, which was not pleasant, in order to get up uh, into Rome and to preach the gospel there. I want us to understand that Paul is writing this in a context of extreme persecution. 
Uh, it, it's not just that there are threats being said. Uh, Nero's persecution it was, it was at its height. I mean, this was, this was a rough time. Around 64 AD, we find that, that a, a great fire broke out in Rome. You remember who was blamed for that great fire by Nero? The Christians. Uh, Nero took a crisis and did not let it go to waste. Does that sound familiar? Right? Uh, that's been going on for a long, long time. Satan always takes crises and he, he uh, uses them to his own advantage. But here, what, what is happening is we have the Christians under severe persecution. It is even said that Nero would light his garden at night with the burning bodies of believers. He would impale them on post in his garden. He had no care whatsoever for those that were within the city. Uh, and by the way, Satan doesn't have care for people, though he says he does. And though sometimes people say they have care for the, the citizenry, they may not have care at all. Nero did not have care. He, all he wanted was to get at the, at the Christians, and he was dealing with them in a very, very severe way. And so drop Paul into that context he has appealed to Caesar. Now he's up in Rome. There is extreme persecution. He is put in the Mamertine prison, which was a, a basically an underground prison cell that was all rock, likely. It was on the Tiber River. Some say that it was right above the Tiber River, so there was, it was extremely cold and damp, drafty. Uh, he would have been fed through a hole in the floor or in the ceiling. Uh, so he didn't have people coming in and out and, and, and enjoying fellowship with him. It was a very dark and lonely place. No doubt there were uh, uh, rats and vermin uh, running around, a dirty place. And it was in this, in this cave, in this hole in the ground, that Paul wrote what we got to just hear. And uh, I appreciated the voice. Maybe some of you, I like listening to, um, to the Bible being read, and so that, it blesses my soul. Maybe that's not you, but I'll tell you what, the tenderness of Paul in that letter comes out. The kindness, the concern of Paul for, uh, for Timothy comes out. What a blessing, and he wrote it out of this. You say, I can't bless others out of my trial. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. Out of the darkest trials of your life, you can bless other people. You can minister to other people, and Paul did just that. This would have been a very difficult time for Paul, and yet he is still looking to encourage. And in fact, the Bible says that Paul gives by testimony, no one else stood with him during this time except Luke. Except Luke. Dr. Luke was standing with him and, 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 and defend, uh, defending him. No one else stood with him. In fact, look over at uh, uh, chapter number 4 and verse number 17. Did that word catch you as we read through that? And my first answer, no man stood with me, but all forsook me. I pray, God, that it, be, it may not be laid to their charge. Notwithstanding, the Lord stood with me and strengthened me. Why? That by my preaching, that, that, he, um, that by my preaching, uh, you may be fully known. And do you not understand the, the heart of the Apostle Paul uh, during this time was he wasn't, he wasn't revengeful, he wasn't, he wasn't vindictive. He was like, Lord, would you forgive them? And this was a very difficult time. Just imagine you being left all alone in a place like this. Wouldn't that play on your mind? I, I imagine it would. But by the grace of God, he was able to withstand and he was able to write such a wonderful letter that God preserved for us today and we get to study today together now did you notice as we went through the letter that the focus of paul was not on himself he said some things about himself he gave testimony but the focus of paul was on timothy how can i strengthen timothy 
Uh, the Bible says here in 2 Timothy 1 and verse 12, for this cause I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed for I know whom I've believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which he has committed unto him against that day. And his focus was on Timothy and bringing his focus towards the Lord Jesus Christ. Timothy, I know who I've believed. I've not lost my faith here. It's not wavering here. I, I, I'm telling you, you can believe Jesus Christ and you can trust in him even though times get dark. And Paul's focus was on Timothy during this time. And what we see as we open this letter is really the heart of the Apostle Paul for his son in the faith, Timothy. And so the title of the message tonight, The Heart of a Mentor. The heart of a mentor as he writes this letter to Timothy, his son in the faith. I want to ask you this. What is important for a mentor to have? If you're going to mentor someone in the faith, if you're going to encourage someone in their Christian walk, what is the very first thing that is important for you to have? I want to show you in verse number one, I believe it's this, it's to have a heart for God. It's to have a heart for God. Look at verse one again. Paul, a servant of who? All right, help me out here. Paul, a servant of who? And an apostle of who? Jesus Christ according to the faith, and I'm in the wrong thing. And you're saying, where are you reading, Pastor? I'm reading in Titus. I'm having a good time. All right, and I'm like, come on, folks. <laughs> Miss Jones reading the wrong passage. No, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ. We're just going to get up and we're going to preach right from Titus, right? <laughs> it's all good. Just keep on preaching. Uh, but the fact is, right away, we, we notice Paul is setting himself up. Not, not look at who I am. This is who I serve. And I want you to notice the heart of Paul for God. The heart for God that Paul had. I want you to see in this, in this verse how that Paul had a settledness in his identity and who he was before God. Notice what it says. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ. Now in the right place, now that we're all on the same page, say that with me. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ. That was so much better. Paul was an apostle, one that was sent by Jesus Christ. That's the definition of apostle. An envoy, a, an ambassador for Jesus Christ. Now, specifically for apostles we don't have apostles today as we understand apostles are those that witness jesus christ from his from his baptism the baptism of john through his resurrection or uh, witnessed him as the resurrected christ now as we see a little bit later on in first corinthians paul tells us that he was an apostle that was born out of due time what does that mean he saw jesus on the road to damascus he did witness jesus as the resurrected lord on the road to damascus and was called and placed as an apostle by jesus christ but i notice here that paul doesn't list off his credentials he doesn't lift off his, his different achievements as far as scholarly achievements and who, what he knew. He first listed off, I am an apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's important for us to understand. Paul didn't tell us that he was a tent maker. Paul didn't tell us that he knew a lot of scriptures. Paul did not tell us that he used to be a Pharisee. He said, I am an apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ. Sometimes when you meet someone for the first time, you might ask them, what do you do? And we learned this at couples retreat. By the way, guys, uh, many times we ask one another, well, what do you do? Hey, Grant, what do you do? And you, I, I'm, I, I work in electrical. Why? Because we're kind of si uh, sizing up and figuring out what one another does. And oftentimes the reason us guys ask that question is because we are most often defined and identified by what we do. Do you notice what Paul says here? He says, I am an apostle of Jesus Christ. What happens if the next time, guys, someone asks you, what do you do? He says, you know what? I serve Jesus Christ. 
and then I am. You see the difference? Paul, first of all, uh, he has, uh, shows us that he is settled in his identity. Uh, we oftentimes are, we lean towards, hey, I'm a businessman, or I'm a, I'm a construction worker, or I'm a truck driver, but what happens if we thought of ourselves as the Apostle Paul here, I am a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ, I am an ambassador for Jesus Christ in this place and in this, in this workplace. And are you settled tonight as an ambassador of the Lord Jesus Christ? You're not an apostle. But you are an ambassador. This is something that the Lord has done for us. 2 Corinthians 5, verse number 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. He tells us that he's given to us the word of reconciliation, the ministry of reconciliation. Then he tells us that we are ambassadors for Christ. Paul was called to be an apostle of Christ, but you and I are called to be ambassadors for Christ. Do you understand your identity tonight? Paul was settled in his identity. He didn't have to wonder who he was. And friends, sometimes we wonder who we are on Mondays, right? We wonder who we are on, on, on Thursdays. And, and when we're looking towards uh, the week getting over, we wonder who we are. But we should be rock solid in this fact that we are servants of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're ambassadors of him. No matter where he has placed us, we are ambassadors for the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul was an apostle and identifies, first of all, in that way. Sometimes when we're, we're uh, uh, talking maybe to an understudy or someone that we're trying to help along, we might want to flaunt our knowledge. But Paul didn't do that. He said, this is who I am. And by the way, Timothy, you're a servant of the Lord too. You're a servant of the Lord too. We're servants of the Lord together. I'm an apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, Paul didn't just wake up one day and say, well, you know, I think I'd like that apostle title. I think I'd like that lifestyle. By the way, he had already seen someone get killed for um, preaching the Lord Jesus Christ. He stood at the, at the site where, uh, where Stephen was stoned. He held the clothes. He knew about Jesus being put to death. Uh, no doubt Paul knew that following Jesus Christ and, and, and being a preacher and an ambassador for the Lord Jesus Christ was going to not end in the best way, that there would be some persecution along the way. But notice what he says. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, now what? By the will, by the will of God. Not by the will of Paul. He didn't go online and find a, a place where he could get a certificate that made him an apostle. You know you can do that. You can, you can become an ordained minister. You can go to Google and how do I become an ordained minister? You can do that, right? Paul didn't jump online and, and become an apostle through Google. No, he was, he was placed there. And I want you to notice how that he was submitted and shows Timothy, even in his wording, I'm submitted to the will of God. If I'm going to affect somebody else for the Lord, if I'm going to help someone else in the Lord, follow the Lord, I'm going to need to be submitted to the Lord. And Paul is submitted here to God's will, by the will of God, according to the will of God. I was thinking about the cabinet members in, 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 our, president's, uh, in our president's cabinet. Uh, just thinking about that. They are, they are there at the assignment or at the selection of the president. Are they not? They are selected by the president or appointed by the president and they're confirmed by the Senate. However, if the president doesn't like them, he can boot them without any, any word from the, the Senate. They serve at the pleasure of the president. And I thought about that. You and I, in the same way, the Lord has saved us, 
and he's appointed us. We serve at the pleasure of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's what Paul is saying here. I didn't come to this on my own. I, I came to Christ. I believed on him, and then he selected me. He put me in this place. I didn't call myself. He, Paul, submitted to the call of the Lord. The Bible says in 1 Timothy 1 and verse number 12, and I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who has enabled me, for he has counted me faithful. Now notice, putting me into the ministry. Putting me into the ministry. Paul acknowledged a fact in the first letter. I've been placed here by the Lord Jesus Christ. This is not something that I, I decided to do. I am simply submitting to the will of the Lord. Acts 9 and verse number 3. As he journeyed near uh, Damascus, and suddenly there shined about him a light from heaven, and he fell to, uh, uh, to the earth and heard a voice saying, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, to, uh, uh, said, I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. I am Jesus whom thou persecuted. Paul was persecuting the church, but in reality, Paul was persecuting Jesus Christ himself. And should persecution come, we should remember that when they persecute us, they persecute the Lord Jesus Christ. But he, he saw Jesus on the road to Damascus, and you know what happens next? He says, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? Go into town and await. And then through a series of steps, Paul begins to hear from the Lord what he is to do. And the Lord called him to be an apostle. The Lord put him there. Now, what has the Lord called you to do? What specific call has God placed on your life? I was, I was enjoying recounting, and I've told you over and over, but it, it, it is the pivotal moment. I share with you this morning about how God uh, helped me through the doubts of salvation, but the pivotal moment of my life was when I understood what God's specific will was for my life. And God's specific will for my life is different than God's specific will for your life, but I believe that God directs us into his specific will. He guides us by his Holy Spirit, through his word, through those that uh, he's placed in our life, and the specific will of God. And I remember back to the age of, uh, of 17 when God made that so very clear. And I can, I, can, uh, I can think back to those moments that I wrestled with the Lord about that, and I had to submit my heart, where I finally knelt down in my pastor's office and said, God, I'm done. I'll do it. And I don't know why I waited so long. I don't know why I put up such a fight. But for five days, I wrestled with God. I can still remember, I was telling someone earlier this week, I can still remember the couch that I was sitting in in the schoolroom as I was with, um, with the Bible saying, Lord, this is like, and wrestling with God about it. The couch was brown. The cushions were a different color than the couch itself. The cushions were brown, and the couch had stripes. I, can, I mean, it's vivid in my mind because it made such a difference. It, it was such a pivotal moment in my life, coming to that point of submitting, saying, all to Jesus, I surrender. And Paul is saying here, Timothy, I am serving as an apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ by his will. Have you submitted to the will of the Lord? Have you had that moment where you gave your life a living sacrifice? Lord, whatever you want. And likely, and as a preacher told me when I was struggling uh, through some of that, he says, if you're struggling against something, the Lord probably wants you to do it. And you don't struggle against nothing. And the fact is, God will make that very, very clear if you keep open heart uh, to him and have a submitted will to him. And we give our lives a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable, the logical service, the logical response to God is to give your life a living sacrifice, as Paul did. But notice, he wasn't just uh, submitted to the will of the Lord. 
he was also sustained by the promise of Christ. In verse number one, according to the promise of life, which is in Christ Jesus. So, Timothy, I just want to let you know that the reason I'm still in this thing and the reason I'm still serving the Lord is because the promise Jesus Christ gave me, the promise of life that I'm looking forward to. He says, according to, in regard to this oath that Jesus has given to me, this, this unbreakable promise that Jesus has given me and is laid out in John chapter 10 and verse number 28, and that, that it, I am secure in him. He says, according to this promise of life, this promise of eternal life, I continue on. I continue forward. I'm sustained by this, Timothy. And by the way, Timothy, if you're going to serve the Lord throughout your life, you're going to have to have a heart for God just in the same way, and you're going to have to be sustained by his promise. There's sometimes when all the world around us will be against us, and the only thing that keep us going is the promises of the Lord Jesus Christ. The promises that he's given to us, and specifically the promise of eternal life. Titus 1, and verse number 1, Paul, a servant of God, that's how he says it there, and that's what we were trying to read before. And an apostle of, of Jesus Christ, according to the faith of God's elect and acknowledging of the truth, which after godliness, now notice, in hope, in confident expectation of eternal life, which God, that cannot lie, promised before the world began. That's the promise that kept Paul going. That's the promise that, that kept him going when he got arrested again and was in on, on the ship on going, over to, on going over to Rome. And when he went through shipwreck and when he is put in the Mamertine prison, that's the promise that kept him going. I want to remind us of 2 Corinthians 11 and verse number 23. Let's go there for a moment. And let's just get our, our minds around this because Paul is a wonderful example to you and I of being sustained by the promises of God. 2 Corinthians chapter number 11 tonight. 2 Corinthians 11 and verse number 23. Paul here gives a list of all the things that he had faced for the Lord Jesus Christ, and yet he was sustained by the promises of God. 2 Corinthians 11 and verse number 23. Are they ministers of Christ? And he's, he's talking about those that, that would um, push against him and, and, and speak against him. Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more in labors, more abundant, in stripes, above measure, in prisons, more frequent, in deaths, oft. You know, that's kind of an interesting thought right there, in deaths, often. <laughs> and uh, we know that uh, he, he, uh, it seems that he uh, died or uh, was severely wounded, Hurt more than any one of us have been hurt in Lystra. It was an awful, awful thing. The Lord brought him through and healed him after, after that. What a miracle. Verse 24, of the Jews, five times received I 40 stripes, save one. Thrice was I beaten with rods. Once was I stoned. Thrice I suffered shipwreck. Here we go again. <laughs> Can you imagine when these ships are going down? Here we go again. Yeah, it, what an amazing, uh, amazing man this was. Uh, a night and a day, I have been in the deep. Children, what is he saying? I, I was bobbing out in the water for one night and a full day. I was out in the water without an inner tube. There were no, there were no arm saucer, you know, arm, uh, arm uh, blow up things. There were no uh, inner tube for him to be in. He was out in the water swimming for that time, maybe holding on to some, uh, some uh, wood or something, keeping him afloat. A night and a day out in that. What, a, what an awful, uh, awful way to live life. And verse 26, in journeyings often in perils of water, in perils of robbers, in perils of mine own countrymen, in perils of the heathen, perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and pain, um, painfulness, in watchings often, in hunger and thirst, 
and fastings and cold and nakedness, beside those things that are without, that which cometh upon me daily, the care of all the churches. And he goes on, and he even talks about the time that he was let down out of the, uh, out of the window through a rope in a basket. I mean, this guy really faced it, and he is telling Timothy, it's according to the promise that I, of life that I've received in Jesus Christ. That's what keeps me going. That's what keep, um, gives me sustenance when everything is against me. I think of the song, it will be worth it all when we see Jesus. These life struggles that you and I are facing right now, they will pale in comparison to the glory that is ahead of us in heaven. And we look forward to that day. I think of Stephen as he was being stoned. What does the Bible say? He looked steadfastly up into heaven and his face just shined with what he was seeing as he saw Jesus stand and receive him into heaven. We have a confident expectation like Paul did. There's a promise that's been given to me. I will uh, come again and I will receive you to myself that where I am, there you may be also. What a great promise that that is. And we will be there and experience the fullness of the life that he's uh, given to us at the day of our salvation. Right now, we're free from the, present, um, the power of sin and the penalty of sin, but there, the, from the presence of sin in his presence for all of eternity, it'll never end. What a wonderful place that is. We have that to look forward to. May God give us uh, the, the ability to continue on, to endure on because of the promise of the life that he's given to us. So here's what I want us to catch. Paul had a heart for God. It oozed out. Everywhere he talked, it oozed out. We could go over to any one of the, uh, the, the gospel, uh, the, the epistles, and read the intro, and we could see Paul's heart um, for God, his heart for serving God, his heart to be committed and faithful and to endure. Before you and I can have an effective heart for others, before Paul could have an effective heart for Timothy, there needed to be a heart for God. There needed to be a heart for God. And I just ask you tonight, where's your heart towards God? What's the condition of your heart? I'm not talking about your externals and what you do here at Grace Baptist Church. I'm talking about your relationship with God, the quiet moments between you and God. What, what are you before God? How's your heart for God tonight? Uh, if, we're, if, we're, if we're doing well as parents, as grandparents, as fellow brothers and sisters in Christ to one another, we're going to desire most of all to have a heart for God and leave that to other people, to help other people develop in that. Paul had a heart for God, and that is why he had a heart for Timothy. In fact, I want you to notice here, as he writes this, he says in verse number two, to Timothy, this is who, who I am, I'm an apostle, I, I, I have this identity before Jesus Christ. This is what he's commanded me to do. I'm doing it in obedience to him. I'm doing it, and as, as he's given me the promise, to Timothy, my dearly beloved son. Paul had a Timothy. He had someone he was mentoring. In fact, as we, as we consider this tonight, before we go any further, I just want to encourage you in this matter. Every one of us should have a Timothy. Every one of us should have, and ladies, you're going to have to come up with a, a, a female name, all right? Uh, but every one of us should have a Timothy, someone we are mentoring, someone that we are able to have a heart for. Because we have a heart for God, we can have a heart for them and help them along in their journey of faith. And Paul had that in Timothy. We find as, as, as he writes here that he is writing to this one he cared about for many, many years. In fact, 
as we discover this heart he had for Timothy, I want you to remember back to when Paul first met Timothy back in the book of Acts. We have not gotten there in our study in the book of Acts, Acts chapter number 16. I think, I think that he met him on his first missionary journey in 44 AD, and then he really started the relationship on the second missionary journey when he came back through Lystra, because in Acts chapter number 16 and verse number one, you can turn there if you'd like or write it down, then came he to Derby and Lystra, and behold, a certain disciple, notice that, a certain disciple was there, named Timotheus, the son of a certain woman, which was a Jewish, a Jewess, and believed, but his father was a Greek. So there in Lystra, he comes back on the second missionary journey, this missions tour, and he finds this young man who was a disciple. Which, by the way, before he left Lystra, when he came back through, after he was stoned, he went, he went down uh, to Derby. Uh, after he was stoned, he came back through, which was amazing bravery, and he, he began to work and, and confirm them in their faith. And so part of that was no doubt confirming his, his mother, Timothy's mother, and Timothy's grandmother, but likely Timothy as well. Now, I don't know how old Timothy, uh, Timothy was, but from this time when Paul met him in, in, in Acts chapter number 16 to the time of this writing was somewhere in the neighborhood of, of 20, 20 years, probably a little bit more than 20 years. So Timothy had had a relationship with Paul as his mentor for that many years. Now think about that. That's a wonderful legacy. That's a really wonderful legacy. And uh, that's a relationship that it's very evident, it's very close. They were open with one another. Paul was able to challenge him. Paul was able to push on him. Paul was able to encourage him. But Paul had a wonderful relationship with Timothy, a a mentoring relationship. Now, Lystra was not a great place at all. We remember it was a pagan city. It was a city that that did not have a synagogue in it. In fact, do you know where the Jews came from that stoned Paul there and riled up the city folks? They came from Antioch, and they, and they, came, uh, they came down, and they, they riled up the people there, and it was all sorts of problems down there. So there, it, was, it was a mess what was going on down there in the city, but this was a pagan city that, that Timothy grew up in, and Timothy's parents were not on the same page. We read that. Uh, the contrast there is, yes, Timothy's mom believed, but Timothy's dad was a Greek. He did not believe. And so we have this mixed, mixed home, uh, not an ideal situation, a pagan city, not an ideal situation. But how was it that Timothy grew up to, to be a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ? And I think if we go a little bit further in our passage of Scripture, we find that, and that from a child thou hast known the Holy Scriptures, uh, 2 Timothy 3 in verse number 15 that are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith that is in Christ Jesus. What was it? We find there in the first chapter how that his grandmother and mother, Lois and Eunice, uh, had unfeigned faith, very sincere faith, and they delivered that to Timothy in verse number 5 of chapter 1. They delivered that to Timothy, and they helped him. But you know, there came a time where Timothy needed a little bit more. And this is what really excites me. God brought a spiritual father into the life of Timothy so that he could be brought the next leg of the spiritual journey. And sometimes we might look at a situation where we're like, well, you know, this is a pretty bad home life and then, you know, their situation is not so good. God has the power 
to bring everything into that person's life, into your life that you need to live a godly life and fulfill your calling. And God used Paul in Timothy's life to be a spiritual father. And let's notice this heart. He had a heart for Timothy, and it's very evident. Why? Because he had a heart for God first, and now he has a heart for Timothy. And by the way, he had a heart for a lot of others. His heart was pretty big. I want to be like Apostle Paul in that way. Don't you? And so he had a heart for Timothy. Notice in verse number two that he had a heart that was displayed in a personal responsibility that he felt towards Timothy. Did you notice how he addresses Timothy? To Timothy, my son. All right, I'm going to say something here, and it's going to be embarrassing to me, but it's going to be funny to you. I was doing a a social media post a while back. It was a couple, um, maybe last year, I think, when we went up to to Michigan. And I have a good friend up in Michigan whose name is, um, is John Barber. And so we took a picture. Brother Caleb was with me. My son was with me. We took a, a selfie, and we posted it. Well, and as I posted, I'm writing along and, and was distracted, and I posted. Some of you saw this and didn't text me and tell me that I had made a weird post, all right? But nonetheless, um, I, I, I was writing down, it's so good to see my John Barber. No one told me until the next day that I had put down my John Barber. Weird. Weird, okay? Uh, and, and so uh, I, I wrote that and it posted and you know, people saw that and different pastor friends of mine thought, I thought it was kind of weird, but you know, regardless. You know, it, 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 that would be weird for me to say, but for, Tim, um, for Paul here to say, my son in the faith, it gives indication that Paul felt a personal responsibility to Timothy. Paul was not going to waltz in and out of Timothy's life. He was there. He was committed. He had a personal responsibility. And even as we think of this, who is it that you feel personal responsibility for in their faith? Not that you're the author of their faith. That that alone belongs to Jesus. But one who cares for them. I feel personal responsibility for them. I want to keep close with them. I want to be open with them. That's what Paul did. Timothy, my son in the faith. Timothy had a front row seat to Paul's life. We see that a little later on in this book in 2 Timothy 3 and verse number 10. But thou hast fully known my doctrine, my manner of life, my purpose, my faith, my long-suffering, my charity, my patience, persecutions, afflictions, which came at me at Antioch and at Iconium and at Lystra, what persecutions I endured, but the Lord delivered me. Out of, uh, out of them all the Lord delivered me. Timothy, You've seen all this. Why? Because Paul had a personal responsibility to him. He was open with him. He kept him close. He felt like, oh, you know what? If I could bring Timothy along and help him to understand that. At some point, he had heard about these different persecutions or he had heard Paul talk about these persecutions. He had heard him bear his heart. Paul had given Timothy access to his life. He gave him a front row seat to his life. Everything about it, not just his doctrine, it's not just the preaching of the word that Paul had, uh, gave to Timothy. It was also his purpose and his manner of life. Now, sometimes we're uncomfortable with that, aren't we? Because if people get that close to us, they might see flaws in our life. And the fact is, we all have flaws. Paul had flaws. But true mentoring has to, it requires a, a feeling of personal responsibility that opens up. Here I am. You can learn from the good and from the bad. And I want you to ask questions. 
And I want you to see the struggles I go through. I want you to see the successes that I go through. Not because I'm something special, but I want you to see it all. And you know what? There's times where a mentor will fail. Now, it doesn't, we don't have here that Paul, Paul failed. But there's going to be times where we'll fail. A mentor will fail, and a, a mentor will fail. But the fact is, there needs to be a personal responsibility. Here's, here's my life. Here's what God's doing in me. Jesus called his disciples not to just meet with him on Sundays, but to walk with him every day of the week. Do you know what the apostles said in the book of Acts when they were selecting Matthias to be the replacement of Judas? You know what they said? They, they were talking about how that the person that would, would uh, fill that position, wherefore of these men which have accompanied with us, notice, with us, all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us. And even after Jesus went back to heaven, they were referring to the fact that Jesus was with us, that he walked with us, he, he went in and out with us and among us, that he was with us. And there is much talk, I, I find over in, in Mark chapter 1 and verse number 15, or actually 16 and verse number uh, 15, how that the Lord talks about how he worked with them. Paul had that type of relationship with Timothy, that he was with him, that he ministered with him. And I wonder who has a front row seat in our life like Timothy did to Paul's. Who are you mentoring? Who's your Timothy? Does someone have a front row seat to your life? Is there some transparency that allows them to learn from your mistakes and not repeat them in their own life? Can they call you anytime? Can they expect you to be transparent and honest with them about your ups and your downs? And if God leads someone into your life specifically, if God leads someone into your life uh, with which you can invest in, you uh, have, a, have uh, them as a Timothy or a, uh, a Lady Timothy. <laughs> I don't know. I'm trying to deal with and come up with that name. Be real with them. Be open. Let them have a front row seat to your life. And I will also say this. If God has allowed you to see someone come to Jesus Christ by, uh, in salvation, you are responsible for them. You're responsible to help them along. You're responsible to disciple them and bring them along and mentor them along as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. How are they going to grow? How are they going to know where to read? How are they going to know that John might be the easiest place to begin reading if they're a new believer? If you tell them, how are they going to know they ought to be in Sunday night church? If you bring them along and say, hey, come along with me. I want to invite you to what we do on Sunday nights. How are they going to know that they can have their children involved in the children's program? By you inviting them into that, by you helping and shepherding and caring for them. Paul said to the, um, the Corinthian believers in 2 Corinthians 1, verse number 24, not that we have dominion over your faith. Now that's an important distinction right there that Paul makes. We don't have dominion over your faith. That, that's a matter between you and God, but we are helpers of your joy. For by faith you stand. You have to stand by faith, but we are helpers of your joy. We want to help you along. That was Paul's part. Paul talks about being a nurse that cherishes. He talks about travailing in birth till Christ be formed in, in, in these believers that he ministered to. And just understand, Paul had this heart to give a front row seat. Why? Because he felt a personal responsibility. I'm responsible to bring them along. 
They're not just somebody I see once a week. I'm responsible to bring them into my life and allow them to be close so I can bring them closer to the Lord Jesus Christ as we study the word together. Paul had a heart for Timothy, and so he felt that personal responsibility. But I want you also to notice that he had a growing love for Timothy, not just a personal responsibility. He says there in verse number two, to Timothy, my dearly beloved son. Let's say that together. To Timothy, my dearly beloved son. Those are some tender words, real tender words. And dearly beloved, it, it, it sounds exactly what you would think. It, it is, is cherished. It comes, it comes from, it's, it's, it, um, from the word agape, has that idea. But that sacrificial love, I, I love you so much, Timothy. You're, you're dear to me. You're special to me. But he uses the word son. Son. Now, he wasn't his, his biological son. He was his son in the faith, as he says in other places. But this was a term of endearment. When used towards another adult is a term of endearment. He's saying, hey, you're my son. I, I feel responsible for you. I, I feel that connected to you. Paul uses this term seven times in referring to those he was mentoring. Son, you're close to me, and I, I accept you, and I, I want you to, to grow with me, and I want to I invest in your life. And Paul's appreciation for Timothy grew as time went on because we see back in 1 Timothy, if you'll just notice, 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse number 2, unto Timothy, my own son in the faith. My own son in the faith. Well, that's, that's pretty cool, to be the son in the faith to Paul. That would be pretty amazing, wouldn't it? Wouldn't you have liked to have been mentored by Paul? Wouldn't that have been a wonderful thing? He says, my son in the faith, that's great. But when he comes here to 2 Timothy, right before he's about ready to be killed, be martyred, you know what he says? My dearly beloved son. He's growing in his love. And I wonder today, are you growing in your love towards others, towards those that you're investing in? You know, that happens as we have a heart for God and as we grow in his love. It stands to reason that uh, uh, Paul, as he gets to the end of his life and is about ready to give up his life for the, the one who had saved him and for the one he loved very much, that his love would be growing towards those he was mentoring. That was, that was Paul, one who had a heart for Timothy, one who felt a personal responsibility and demonstrated a growing love. But notice verse number two as well. He had a spiritual vision for Timothy. It wasn't just, Timothy, I want you to catch what you can on the, on the way. I, no, Timothy, I actually have some prayer requests for you. I have some goals for you. I have some desires for you. Grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and on Christ Jesus our Lord. Paul's vision and prayer list right there. Very succinctly said, this is what I'd like for you, Timothy. This is what my heart is for you, Timothy. I want this to be the reality in your life. I want the goodwill and the favor and the blessing, the strength and the, the power of God to be on your life, Timothy. Timothy, I want you to know that you can go boldly to the throne of grace and you can find grace to help in time of need. Timothy, I want you to know that God gives more grace. When you're feeling beat down and when you feel like the burdens are upon you, James 4, 6, God giveth more grace and he does resist the, the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Timothy, I want you to know that I'm praying and this is my heart for you that the goodwill and the favor of God would be upon you, that his grace would be upon you. Oh, Timothy, I pray that his mercy would be upon you, that the compassion and care of our Lord, but God who is rich in mercy for his great love with, where he lo with, with, with which he loved us. Timothy, I want you to know the mercy of God. I want you to understand it. I want you to feel it. I want you to experience it in your life. 
We find in the book of Lamentations that the Bible tells us his compassions fail not. They're new every single morning. Timothy, I'm praying this morning that God's mercies would be a reality in your life, that you would be overwhelmed by the newness of God's mercies on this day. Timothy, I'm praying, and my vision is that you would know the peace of God, the calmness of God, a harmonious relationship between you and your heavenly Father a tranquility, like a, a, a placid sea. I'm praying that you would know the peace of God that passes all understanding. I'm praying that you would know and experience the, um, the peace that Jesus said, I give to you and I'm leaving with you. In the world, you're going to have tribulation, but be a good cheer. I've overcome the world. Timothy, I'm praying that you would not have a troubled heart, but that you'd be peaceful. And I know that all these things can't come from me, but they can only come from God. There's only so far that you can take someone you're mentoring. They have to realize that all good things, all blessing, all spiritual strength comes from God. The greatest thing that we do when we're trying to mentor or disciple someone along is get them connected with the Holy Spirit, get them connected with God, a vibrant personal daily relationship where they are receiving for themselves from God. They're not just getting the fish you fry them up, but they're going out and catching their own fish. They're getting from God on their own. And Paul was praying, Timothy, I'm praying for grace and, and mercy and peace from God for you. This is what I want for you. This is my heart for you. This is the blessing that I give, um, give to you. Blessed be the Lord who daily loadeth us with benefits, even the God of our salvation. Amen. He daily loads us with benefits. I used to say as a kid, uh, he daily loads us with bacon bits, but that's not the right uh, way to think about that, uh, though bacon bits are really good, especially the fresh ones. But he daily loads us with benefits. Benefits. Oh, God's good. And you know what? If you can help a person to realize the goodness of God, you're working with somebody and you're discipling them and you're mentoring them to text them and let them know, hey, this is how God's been good. This is how God's ministering to my heart. And to let them hear that from you. Hey, this is what I want for you. This is what God has in store for you. We should have a spiritual vision for the one, for those that God has given to us to mentor. Like God had given Paul timothy to mentor and he had a spiritual vision for him hey uh, timothy this is my heart for you and so as we kind of wrap this all up here's here's what i want to bring it down to having a heart for god is the most essential quality of your life it's true our children having a heart for god is is greater than how much money they make it's greater than anything. From that heart for God, God can lead them, guide them, direct them as he wills if they all have a heart for God. If they'll be identified as a follower of Jesus Christ, isn't that what baptism is all about, but that's supposed to go all the way through our lives? If they'll all be settled in their identity, they'll be submitted to the will of God, they have a heart for God, They'll be sustained by his promises. Oh, that's a good promise. I can keep on going on. That is the most essential quality of our Christian lives. Every, everyone here can have a heart for God. We can. And that's not a to-do list, friends. That's a walk with God. Been able to walk with God this past week? Has God touched your heart one, two, three, four days with a word from him, something that just blessed your soul, 
gave you some fuel to run on, caused you to stop and sing in your heart to the Lord, to give back to him. Oh, that heart for God is essential, but having a heart for a disciple is the most incredible mission of our life. Do you know what? That is what Jesus left us to do. What Paul is portraying here in these first two um, verses of this letter that he's just going to open up to Timothy is portraying the Great Commission. Paul had gone to that city where Timothy was. He had preached the gospel. He had been afflicted and persecuted for his faith. And out of that situation, he has this young boy, maybe he was 8 or 10 years old, when, when he saw Paul get stoned. I don't know how old he was, but at some point along the line, Timothy was impacted by the life of Paul. And Paul was impacted by the life of Timothy. He took notice of him. At some point, God's going to do something with that young man. And he comes through on that next missionary journey, and he finds his disciple so much so that Acts 16 highlights Timothy right out of the, uh, in that first, um, that first verse of Acts 16. And, and Paul begins to invest in him and, and mentor him and help him along. And Paul gets to mentor a young man who would pastor the church of Ephesus who would preach the Lord Jesus Christ and would go on to win other folks to the Lord, Paul was doing exactly what Jesus told us to do in Matthew 28 and verse number 19. Let's turn back there and let's remind ourselves of our mission here at Grace Baptist Church. I need to have a heart for God. I need to have a heart for a Timothy. Matthew 28 and verse number 19. Go ye therefore and teach all nations. Instruct them. Communicate. Teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the, of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. By the way, we're commanded to, to not only teach them, but to instruct them in baptism. Say, hey, this is important that you make that step to identify with the Lord Jesus Christ. It's important. And instruct them in that way. But verse number 20 says, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. You know what? Paul models right here is a heart to do exactly what verse number 20 says, to teach Timothy to observe all things. Timothy, You've seen my doctrine. You actually know every bit of my doctrine. You know how my, my doctrine and my belief has impacted and affected my behavior. You know it. You know the times when I've been frustrated. You know the times when I've been frustrated at Alexander the coppersmith and all these folks saying things that aren't true and slandering me and, and thinking there's, um, there's uh, something else. And you, You've seen all that, Timothy. Paul just took him right along and discipled him and mentored him and brought him along. Why? He first had a heart for God. Led him to that city. But he got a heart for Timothy. Could I ask you tonight, where's your heart for God? Where are you in that? What's your heart for God like tonight? Do you, do you need to take a step of spiritual growth? Do you need to ask God to stir the embers? To stir it up? Lord, I need you to renew me. <laughs> I, I, need, I need your word to speak to my heart once again. It's been a while since it's, it's gotten through. Start there. 
then who's your, who's your Timothy? Who's your Timothy? You know what the exciting thing about church life is? It isn't all about who's the pastor's Timothy is. It's who's our Timothy. We're all a part of that. Every one of us needs to have a Timothy. I look forward in the days ahead, and I'm praying to the Lord to give us the ability and the, the grace to see more happen with discipling. But I'm telling you, friends, discipling is not a program. It's, hey, come along with me on this journey. Um, see my way of life. Hey, by the way, as, as we're grilling hot dogs or as we're putting rock down in the flower, uh, the, you know, the mulch bed at church or as we're working around our house, you know what the Lord really touched my heart with? Yeah, it's that type of ministry. It's come with me in my life and journey of faith. Come with me. Hey, I'm going to go make a visit. Would you go with me? Would you be my soul winning partner? I'd like to go visit the, on the, these folks that I think should come to the vacation Bible school. Would you go with me? And we go with them. That was the spirit of Paul towards Timothy. And no wonder, no wonder that was a 20-year relationship. No wonder the last letter that Paul writes is to his dearly beloved son in the faith, Timothy. Who's your Timothy tonight? Who's your Timothy? You say, I don't have one, Pastor. By God's grace, let's make that a matter of prayer. Would you? Let's bow for prayer. Thank you for listening today. For more information about Grace Baptist Church, please visit our website at gracebaptistofkettering.org. And remember, you are always welcome at Grace Baptist Church.